0: Burger Creek Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast features deity of the Australian based punk band, The Thorazins. Here's their song. Let's go to Pump Roperate. No. For some reason, you wanted to do this again with me, so I'm super appreciative of that, and it is very late <laughs> in, the, in the evening right now in Australia. I have Didi from the Thorazines uh, deciding to come back and BS with me on the Bird Creek Productions 50 Minutes of Fame podcast. Didi, welcome.
1: Thank you, man. Actually, I appreciate it. You're still the first and only interview I've ever done for this band, so uh, congratulations.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I do. I honestly feel honored uh, to do that because, you know, the the Thorazine's y- slash y- you, uh, you release some fantastic music, which we'll talk about. In particular, one of your most your more recent uh, releases. Um, I, I would like to chat about here in a little bit. But the first thing I wanted to touch on, because I know that after we had talked initially, we kind of went on this like side tangent. Um, we talked about Venom and I wanted to ask, <laughs> I wanted to ask you. And, and again, I'm going to give you a heads up that this question is very open ended. Right. And it might not be the easiest thing to answer, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, Didi, why? Does the band Venom? Why do they matter?
1: Why are they important? Okay, so when I was really young, uh, I'm talking like I was a kid, and we went to a thing called Sky Show, which was a, a fireworks display night in Adelaide that they held on Australia Day. So we, me, my brother, and my mom. My brother's a little bit older than me, so he, you know, he was already starting to get into heavy metal and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we went to this guy's show, and we sat down on the grass. We had our little portable radio cassette thing with us, and we sat down. And uh, right next to us, these two metalheads came, and they sat down right next to us with their radio cassette thing, and they were listening to uh, this noise. And I was just like, "Man, that sounds so good. What is that?" So I asked them. You know, I thought like, you know, I mean, I'm just a kid. I just, you know, I I didn't care. I just said, "Hey, man." that sounds really cool. What is it? And I went, oh, it's a band called Venom. And I was like, oh, cool. Now I had, we were listening to Ozzy Osbourne's Randy Rhodes tribute on our way there. For some reason, my mum was cool with that. And
0: <laughs> so you have a cool we had the
1: tape Yeah. Yeah. We had the tape of that on it and it was just recorded. It wasn't the original tape, just a tape tape version because we had it on record. And on the end of there is this acoustic thing called D or something like that, or whatever. But, I wanted, to, I wanted this Venom, and, I, and the guys that were sitting there had a tape, like a double cassette one where they could record, and I said, can you tape me the best Venom song? And they said, yeah, yeah, sure, and they taped me Buried Alive. Wow. So they gave that to me, and I reckon for the next God knows how long, week, or whatever, I just constantly listened to that song. And we taped over that that acoustic track, by the way. That's why I mentioned that we taped over the Randy Rhodes acoustic track. No shade to Randy Rhodes, because that whole record is amazing, by the sure, way. Sure, sure. But that's how, um, so that's how I discovered Venom. And because they they got me at the right time, like I went from I was running into ACDC, and I was listening to Motorhead. And that was as heavy as it got for me. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I hear this this van, Venom. Now, my brother was in the city with some friends of his, and he came back home and he said, hey, that band Venom, that you like, I saw their record uh, at this record store in the city. It's $20. And I said, all right, let's go. And so I went in there and took my pocket money in, and I saw it. And the first thing I'm looking at is this goat head staring at me, right, because <laughs> the album are black metal. And I'm looking at it. I turn it over and it's got the song Buried Alive on it. And I'm looking at the back and the imagery. You've got like Kronos in this like room filled with candles. It looks like, you know, satanic and whatever. And he's in a pentagram, upside down crosses everywhere. You've got Abaddon with these Dobermans, like looking like (laughs) scary, whatever. Then you've got Mantis sitting on a motorbike.
0: Motorcycle, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's the best, these are the best photos ever. And then it's got written there in between the track list are the words. We drink the vomit of the priest, make love with the dying whore. We suck the blood off the beast and hold the key to death's door. And I'm like looking at this going, what the fuck? (laughs) So I bought the record and I took it home. And I think I I listened to it every day for like a year. And I just became obsessed with Venom. And Venom was just the band for me. I'd I'd never heard anything like it. And to this day, I still never heard anything like it. Like Mm. nothing – sounds like that record there's no other band that can copy venom sound like no one's been able to do it and that the sound that venom had on black metal i think is the definitive sound of what black metal was for me even though i know it changed when it went over to scandinavia and you know all that stuff but sure, to me the sure. black metal sound was always that record the black metal record by venom uh, it just that that solidified what black metal was to me And a lot of people go, oh, it's not really black metal. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they coined the term and, you know, the Mm. album is there. So.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So so one thing that I f- actually there's a number of things I find very fascinating about that so for for me as an aside I, I find it awesome that like specifically the trap buried alive is the first thing you heard which is just mm-hmm. that's an insane that's an insane in- entrance into this band's like discography in my opinion like for me it was the first thing I heard was welcome to hell that was the first thing nice. I heard and it was it was appropriate because that kind of changed it for me and in the the same way that you had said like i got my hands on i got my hands on a copy of welcome to hell shortly following that and i was obsessed i i listened to it like when we'd be at parties with friends like pre-gaming or whatever like getting ready to go out i'd put it on and and they'd be like what the what the fuck is this because <laughs> it's just noise <laughs> right it's speed pure speed yep. and noise and I'm just like, because at the same time, again, in in a similar sense to you, in that time I was just, I had gotten into heavier music, but like at that specific time, a lot of Motorhead, a lot of Motorhead. So the transition over into Venom was like organic, like it made sense, I guess, like, you, you yes. know, like it wasn't so far out of the realm. Um, so no. I, I'm, I'm glad you shared that with me. Um, the, 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 the other thing that I'm, I'm wondering about, because you also had some insight on this. Now we chatted a, about a couple things. We chatted about both the Venom Inc, right? Um, the, the, the Mantis brand of Venom, but we also talked about mm-hmm. the current lineup of Venom, just featuring Kronos and the two others that he had brought on. And I asked you specifically about those, the newer records that each one of them released. So... Mm-hmm. did you and and if i'm not mistaken you have the entire discography can you tell me a little bit about like the chronos less albums temples of ice etc i didn't i didn't get a chance to listen to those and i haven't and call me a, a shitty venom fan but like i haven't listened to those i can speak very oh, you mean very... like
1: the ones with demolition man on vocals is that what Cor- you mean tony dolan
0: correct correct yeah Are are they? So tell me tell me a little bit about those records because I think there was three of them, um, minus uh, without without Kronos during that period, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was um, uh, the first one was Primeval. Yes, that was the the first one. Was that eighty
0: nine or was that or eighty? I think
1: so.
0: Something like that. It sounds
1: around that time. Yeah, because well, actually, no. Eighty seven. Earlier than that, because I think that I was in. Primary school still when when that album came out because my friend in primary school bought it on cassette tape and uh, we I remember when we listened to it we were just like what the hell like what happened to Venom mm. like I mean because it sounded more hard rock yeah uh, than than black metal but I still loved it like I really I thought the song Primeval was so catchy you know like it's a it's a it's a really good rockin song you know mm-hmm. and so. Uh, I really like Primeval as an album. In fact, I mean, the, the one song on it that's like the completely cheesy one is a School Days, which is a follow-on from Teacher's Pet. And uh, I I always thought that that song was kind of cheesy, um, probably didn't really need to be on the record. But there's some really fucking killer tunes on that record. And then you've got, uh, what, tear Your Soul Apart and Temples of Ice and um, – I'll tell you was an EP, but they do a good version of bursting out on that too. Um, I think, wasn't there one more? I can't remember off the top of there, my head. I,
0: I believe there was one more. I, that's why I said, I, oh. think, I think there's, as far as full lengths are concerned, I believe that there are three records without Kronos. And I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I can't well, remember ta- what that third one is because you mentioned the EP in there as well.
1: Yeah, the tear Your Soul apart was the EP, and it's got like Tony Dolan's mutilated face on the cover. I found that in Brisbane. We were on tour once with my old band, and I found it in Brisbane. I was so fucking happy because I've been looking for it forever, and I was like, oh my god, finally, you, finally, have I found you,
0: it. Have you found them? Like, have you found all of your like Venom records in the wild, or did you have to like order some of them?
1: No, I've never ordered any of them. The only ones—I know, actually—that's a lie. The only ones that I did order were the um, the reissues right. of uh, Scandinavian Assault and French Assault, and what was the other one that I didn't have? Japanese Assault. Okay. Yeah. Those three, I had to, I pre ordered those because I didn't know how limited they would be when mm. they came out for sale. Someone did a reissue of all the Assault series. Yes. And they're the three that I didn't have. So I bought those. S- but every other Venom record, yes, I've bought in the wild. I've uh, never, or, never pre ordered any. I was just by like, searching, you know, just because I love them so much that if I see a Venom record, I just grab it. Like I just do. Like they're just that band for me. And I've been doing it ever since so I first heard that that black metal thing and you know, like here we are this many years on. And <laughs> I mean, that was what 1986. I think right. when I discovered them whenever I think it was 86 or January 86 or January 87, it was one of those. Uh, it was definitely that though. Cause I don't, I don't think I went to sky show anymore after that, hmm. but, um, yeah, I remember that day onwards. And I remember when I saw Venom, my mum got all excited that I saw Venom, which I thought because she knew how that I've been into him for a long time. So she was kind of excited when I told you know when I put a post up saying oh I finally saw Venom. She was like she rang me the next day and she goes wow so you saw Venom huh?
0: <laughs> now so so you saw you saw Venom. You and, and you have also seen Venom Inc as well.
1: No, it was just Venom Inc. Was... But, you know, my mum, as far as I'm concerned, Venom's Venom. Like Venom Inc or Venom is, you know, I know Kronos wasn't singing for him, but Tony Dolan is was still a singer of the band, mm-hmm. and he does an amazing job. Absolutely incredible job. So I've only seen Venom Inc. I've never seen Venom with Kronos, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, I mean, I've seen what I have, and I'm very happy with it because mm-hmm. I got to watch Mantis play all those songs. And I remember when I interviewed uh, Kronos, and uh, La Rage, who was a guitarist of Venom at the time, uh, I, I don't know if he's still in the band, but I remember interviewing him and he said to me, he goes, unless somebody in Venom shows you how to play the songs, nobody gets it right.
0: No shit.
1: So. Whoa. Yeah, he said that there's so many little intricate things that they do to create those nuances within the noise that there's just like little things like hitting an extra string where you don't need to be hitting it, but they hit it to get that. Just all these little things just to get that extra weird sound that Venom have, especially on those early records mm. where their guitar tone is unmatched. Like how the hell do you get the guitar tone on something like Don't Burn the Witch? Like you listen that guitar tone. is perfect. And when I asked Mantis, I said, how did you get that guitar tone? He just said, I don't remember. We just use shit, shit equipment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's the other thing that I find fascinating is that he basically says like, you know, we intentionally were doing shit to create like dissonance and like noise right because mm. it, in in who knows if that's out of like and that it could, because that's something i think venom gets a lot of shit for Ah, uh, they don't know how to play their instruments ah uh, they didn't play they weren't technically proficient well I, to be honest with you it's like i i call fucking bullshit on that it's like sure it's like too. sure th- they're not some like wizard they're not fucking wizards you know behind like uh, i'm going to play this like n- 15 minute fucking I- intricate thing where i never play the same note twice bullshit it's like no they were writing furious fucking songs and in the process, they accidentally not only created a, 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 a sub-genre of fucking music, but they also, like, to, to hear you say that, to hear you say, like, Kronos was like, yeah, like, no one plays it right. We, do, we did this shit weirdly intentionally. Like, there was intention behind it, which is the intention behind Magic, right? Like, at its core, it's all intention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, fi- I find that very interesting, but even sonically between welcome to hell and even like possessed for example like it's crazy to hear how like they're working with either better equipment better not even better producers but you can tell that they're honing out their craft like by the time they get to Possessed, it's like okay this is like they've taken away a little bit of the the muddy sound from welcome to hell and now it's like this is fucking rad these this is a three-piece like this is insane Mm. you know like
1: i mean when you listen to Possessed as well, like even the guitar tone on Possessed mm-hmm. is just so weird. Like mm-hmm. it does, and the drum sound sounds like like um, like a steel like like a steel manufacturing plant or something like that. Like there's just these weird sounds that are on Venom records that make Venom sound like Venom. Like there is no band that you can go, oh they just sound like Venom. There's nobody. I've never ever heard a band, and I've listened to a lot of metal, and I've never ever heard a band where I've gone, oh that just sounds like Venom. Like mm-hmm. I've, it's never happened no. where there's been tons of bands where I've like mixed up thrash bands. going oh, That sounds like whoever or that, but I've never been able to say oh, that band just sounds like Venom. Mm-hmm. Like, cause nobody sounds like them. Nobody at all. Even bands that have tried to come close. They, 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 they just don't sound like Venom. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's what I think is a genius of Venom. And that's why I guess, you know, to me, to me, Venom are the Ramones of black metal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the way I look at them. Like they, they kicked off a whole sound that everybody tried to emulate. Mm. You know, everybody tried to copy Venom sound, all that uh, Norwegian black metal. It sounds like they were trying to copy, you know, Venom sound like even Bathory, uh, you mm. know, probably oh, yeah. was probably listening to Venom, trying to copy that Venom sound, you know, but then took it to his next step doing the, ah, whatever that stuff is. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's, nobody sounds like him, and that's what I think is ingenious. Even this many years on, you can listen to a Venom record and go, nobody's ever sounded like this. Mm. Nobody, whether that's because people don't want to sound like it, or whether it is because it is actual genius that no, whatever they created in the in the in the studio mm. just cannot be replicated. You know, it was a time and place thing. It was perfect. The planets were aligned. Whatever, I don't know, but magic definitely happened the day that they recorded. You know, Black Metal. The same way the magic happened when Guns N' Roses recorded Appetite for Destruction.
0: I, that is the perfect, that's the most perfect thing I've ever heard in in regards to to the band. So I'm gonna put a bookmark in that, and we're gonna move on because I can't. That was, <laughs> that, was that was that was wonderful. Um, switch gears now. Again, I am gonna talk about your most re- recent release here. Uh, with haley crusher but before we get to that besides that how are things going from uh from on the musical front in australia how are things on your end um any additional releases that we can expect what what would you like to plug anything cool coming down the line that we can expect obviously um i know that you guys have some pretty insane merch items for sale right now specifically um specifically your t-shirts now any plans in the future for physical copies of, of music like seat doing CD pressings or like vinyl? What's, what's coming up for you guys?
1: Well, I'm releasing a seven inch myself because I can't seem to find any labels that are interested in our music. So uh, I felt that I should just release a seven inch myself of, um, a EP that I'm doing, which is a tribute to an eighties heavy metal movie. And it's not a metal record. It's a pop punk record, but, the songs are in tribute to this movie. And so that's going to be coming out. uh, I don't know when, but it's the, it's already, um, it's already like, it's recorded. I can, I'll send you a, did I, did I send you a song? I
0: don't, I don't believe so. I do not believe so. Okay. Off
1: the record. I'll send you something like to listen to, Um, but yeah, like it's, it's uh, we, I've been working on this tribute, like uh, this tribute record, this tribute EP, I should say, of songs dedicated to this movie that I love. It's a ridiculous idea, but I think I learned this from Pavard Vermin. When you have an idea and it's there and it's already set up for you, it's easy to write songs because you've got the goal. You know what needs to be done. Like it's there. And he taught me that, and I wasn't really thinking like that. I just used to write whatever was in my head, whatever would fall out onto the guitar. But he had this idea, he said, you know, because he was doing this thing where he was writing pop tunes but with black metal song titles. And he said, I've already got the song title there, so the rest just writes itself. And I thought, man, that's so fucking good. And so I told him that, I mean, I had this idea, but I didn't really know how to approach the idea. And then I told him about it, and he said, yes, do it. That'll be amazing. Do it, do it. So I showed him what I had, like, you know, and this is where the idea sprang from. So... Uh, that's, that's going to be out soon, hopefully within the next couple of months, next three months, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be out.
0: One thing that we also chatted about too, is, uh, is Britney Spears. And I wanted your hot mm-hmm. take, uh, one of the last gentlemen that I had chatted with cam, um, from one of the bands up in, in my, and I guess the, the New York state neck of the woods, we chatted, uh, briefly on the framing Britney Spears, uh, documentary. Now, did you end mm-hmm. up, did you end up checking that out?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. what what were your what was your kind of hot take on that entire documentary? What were your thoughts?
1: All uh, right. Well, Brittany, the media murdered her from day one, mm-hmm. and I mean it. And just like they didn't leave her the fuck alone. That poor girl. Like I understand that. You know, probably at the start she was probably happy for the fame. Sure. But you know, once the kids are involved and stuff, she's got a family and that. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. All she wants to do is be a mother to those children, and they made it so hard for her to do so. You know, like, I watched that doco, and I felt sorry for her, man. Like, when seeing the amount of paparazzi that would just follow her around everywhere, like, that's no life for anybody. And I don't care, like, that people, you know, want to see this million-dollar photo of her beating up a car with an umbrella or whatever. Fuck that shit, man. That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like, why would people want to see that? Like that's obviously a distressed girl that was going through a lot of, you know, emotional trauma and stuff like that, dealing with all this shit. And they just, I don't know, man, it was just, it's horrible watching that. I felt so sad watching that. You know, that's not how I want to, you know, I mean, granted people like knowing all this celebrity gossip and that, I just couldn't give a shit about the majority of that stuff. I just don't care. Like, and I think it's so dumb that everybody is so fixated on this stuff. Like they want to know every little step of the way that some celebrity is doing. And it's just like, why just leave them alone. Hmm. Really leave them alone. Like they're already getting their pay from the, you know, they're already being paid the billions of dollars or whatever from their music, their art, whatever it is that they're doing. Like just, they don't need to be in the newspapers all the time. You know, report the news. Don't report to me about someone shaving their head. Like who gives a fuck?
0: I, I Isn't think I, I think that 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 whole approach and people's like weird obsessions that kind of really took off during that period right like we'll we'll call it like the early 2000s you know late 90s early 2000s like the whole paparazzi thing i think that really launched and shaped the way because people are still doing that shit today it's just different now because we all have phones and we have social media and and we have fucking whatever tiktok and all that bullshit right it's very easy for people to keep tabs on on fucking like celebrities not to mention there's entire fucking seasons of television shows reality shows that revolve around fucking celebs so it's like i almost think in a sense that was like it's, it's the, the the paparazzi of like the late 90s or early 2000s are the fucking like ramones of celebrity obsession <laughs> and or this culture that that birthed right because it's like even even now with like some of those shows like the kardashians for example it's like that is maddening to me right like it just doesn't make sense it doesn't speak to me it speaks to a lot of people but like again i don't give a shit what so-and-so's experience was like buying shoes that day. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And
1: I just don't care. And I don't know why why people are so fixated on it, but there's a million other things on TV you can watch if you have to watch TV. Sure. Why do you want to watch all these rich people just spending money and doing rich people things? And reality TV, man, is about as real as, you know, Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons exactly. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like it's, it's not reality TV. It's, quote, reality quote tv you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's just you know, like it's ridiculous i don't understand why people are so obsessed with reality tv in saying that though i will say temptation island i love watching that because it's a train wreck but that's the reason i watch it sure. i don't watch it because i'm in you know i'm interested in some random nobody's life i just think it's a train it's wreck. A train, TV right? show, and so i've laughed the whole way through it so but you know the fact that people get so fixated on you know, whatever the Kardashians are doing or whatever. I've never seen an episode of that show because I, I think it's on cable or something. I don't know.
0: But, I don't know. My wife was yeah. watching it last night on something Hulu or some shit. And I was like, I, I sat there for a minute. I was like, God, this is not brain food. This is not brain food. No, <laughs> um, no
1: It's I don't understand. I never will. But you know, like, If it gets people through the day, if that's what's going to help them live a better life, whatever, man, more power to you, you know, if that's Mm -hmm. what makes you happy, who am I to sit and say that you're wrong? I just don't understand it. I can't connect with reality TV unless it's Brett Michaels' Rock of Love.
0: So I will say the surreal life uh, was also another one that was pretty, pretty uh, fun because, you know, the idea of like putting all these random celebrities like a sports celebrity fucking, you know, Jane, Jane Whedland from the fucking Go-Go's like, you know, like Jose Canseco, <laughs> like just a, a porn star, like putting all these celebrities in a house like uh, you you use the term train wreck. It's like that's exact. I didn't, you know, I didn't watch it because like it was well written. I watched it because it was like silly. It was fun. Now with the the one the one thing too, uh, jumping back to that the Britney Spears documentary, I know for me like what I think they could have done better was, and I'm sure that I know that they had tried, but actually chatting with Jamie, actually chatting with Brittany, right? The, the two forces that were essentially, you know, the the polar opposites of this entire documentary that it revolved around. Um, in other ways, you know, how do you think they could have made this, that documentary better? Because I think it, 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 it truly opened up some people's eyes to how long this has been going on. But more importantly, like, the interworkings from the back end. My biggest criticism is we, we are only hearing from the outsiders. So we're, it's still generate, it's still an outsider's perspective. It's still an extent of the paparazzi, right? We're just seeing what, not actually hearing them talk about it. So is there, what would you change about that if you had the opportunity to?
1: Well, I think, um, talking to Brittany would have been the most important part of the documentary. And, uh, you know that that's the person that they, you know, any any documentary of that topic, she would have had to be the one you have to speak to. But obviously, I guess, you know, legally she probably wasn't able to because of this conservatorship or whatever it is. Uh, but I, I I think that I would love to hear Britney talk about this. Like I I'm a Britney fan. I always have been. You know, like I like her songs. You know, I've got all her records. I've I've got a fucking Britney Spears skateboard. But like it's awesome. just. I've I've been Team Britney forever. Even though I yeah I've made jokes about her music and whatever and about things that have happened, but I'm always Team Britney. Like I'm I'm totally for the Free Britney movement and whatever. Uh, so that you know the documentary did mean a lot to me. I wanted to you know I, I wanted to watch it, and when I watched it, I was just like man, I hope they speak to her because that's the person they need to speak to the most. I was surprised that they didn't have. Um, you know, they, they didn't even get Kevin Federline in there. They didn't talk to her children. Mm-hmm. You know, like I thought that like new interviews with all these people would have been, you know, I mean, there's even no matter what has happened to these people speaking bad about her and whatever, like her close people, and whatever. still get them on camera and get them talking about, you know, for real, you know, but maybe uh, maybe there was interviews that were done that we just, you know, there's I'm sure they filmed tons of footage that we never got to see. Oh, yeah. And they're obviously going to—they're obviously going to show us a documentary from the way that they want us to view it, you know. And if you're looking uh, for an for a documentary that really does show the horrors of uh, paparazzi and the effect that it has on the celebrities that they target, well, then you've got a perfect documentary there. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, having Britney would have just been perfect to, if they could have gotten her. That's the only way that I think that the documentary really could have been you know the best it could be would be just to and I was surprised they didn't even talk to the mum uh, that really surprised me because I I just got the feeling like why wouldn't she say something you know because there's always those you know you've got a mum I've got a mum we all know what the motherly instinct is that they want to be very protective of their children right you know as I was I was kind of surprised that the the mother didn't you know it didn't have anything to say like as a new interview like they didn't interview her straight up and right. say hey what do you think about this like i thought that was really bizarre but obviously again legal problems or whatever or the conservatorship i have no idea but i mean the one thing that i think about it is um like regardless if it gets released or right it's not about business you know it's mm-hmm. it's between brittany and and you know the, her immediate family and the doctors involved or whatever but uh the legal people involved and stuff i mean it's not my business i don't i am not interested in what You know, toxicology reports of Britney. All I'm hoping for is that she, if she is dealing with mental health issues, which is, you know, what they're saying, that she's getting the help that she needs and that, you know, she is okay. That, you know, we, I mean, I still never seen Britney live. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> I, still, I was. I had a ticket to go see her at the residency in Vegas, and it was canceled. I was so bummed out.
0: <laughs> so, so, I should I should clarify the reason the reason I would be interested in, in seeing that or having that released is purely for one reason because I think it would explain the amount the this entire thing from from a very logical perspective versus us what we've seen on the outside. We've seen on the outside that there's a an artist, a a poor mother, a, a young woman who is completely trashed by the media. We see her then; her entire life gets spun out into this fucking nonsensical wonderland of just like, oh, you can't, you're not really in control. And if it hinges upon that one thing, it's less of like for me, it's less of like, well, I want to know what it is and what she was doing. No, no, no it has nothing to do with that. To me, it provides some sort of closure. It provides an explanation. Her dad's stepped in because of this versus because in my opinion right now it's like i don't know at the end of the day britney was a cash cow for fucking how many people how many labels her dad is not no exception to that so that's that's why i'd be interested less of like from that perspective it would it would kind of it would solve the in, in my opinion i think it would provide some sort of element of like solving the puzzle solving the riddle um yeah. as to like why this happened because it's fucking sad i i too have been on team britney since i was a fucking kid so it's like you know that i think is is that that would have been the the one of the the next pieces of the puzzle but anyway
1: so i've never seen britney live or perform but i heard that the vegas residency like didn't she do a bunch of shows anyway before it was canceled and uh, i believe the that tour or that that show that she was putting on I'm not sure what the name of it was. I can't remember. Maybe it was just called Brittany, But I heard that that show was phenomenal. Like, it was really good. And, you know, when she toured out here, people were saying that it was mimed, you know, that she lip synced. And I think she she responded saying, like, I just want to give everybody the best show that I can. And, like, I think she didn't deny that it was lip synced. I think she said, well, you know, I just got to make sure I give the best performance i can so she didn't really say it's not lip-synced but she didn't also say it was (laughs) right i can't remember but because people were saying oh it's lip-synced it's a waste of money oh i want my money back and all this and i'm just sitting there thinking like if you're gonna go to see a a pop star like that there's possibly a chance that there's going to be backing tapes so sure
0: it's like madonna it's the same thing it's like you you have to you have to understand that there's something to be said for the production and the music that they do, but also a lot of that comes with, like, the inability to reproduce that in a live setting, but also, even more importantly, you know, Britney isn't, you know, 19 anymore. Not to say that, like, older artists can't perform, but, like, we've learned a little bit about, like, what her true voice is versus what her voice became. And Mm. we both also know that forcing yourself because we're musicians, we've been around musicians forever, blah, 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 forcing yourself to sing in a way that's not natural to you can have like drastic, like long term effects on your vocal cords, like in your ability to replicate that, you know, like it's Mm. it's it's no surprise that this is an extreme example, but you know, the lead, sing, lead singer of like Agnostic Front, for example, you listen to those first two or three records and then you, you listen to, or you see them live, he can't do that anymore. He can't do that. He sings totally, he doesn't, mm. you know, it's a, it's a whole other experience. So like when people criticize like, ah, oh, she's not, she's lip syncing. It's like part of me thinks to, to the point that she had addressed, she wants to make it the best show as possible. The other part of me thinks that like, ah, she can't do that anymore she can do a version of it she can do a flavor of it right we we listen you know using her last record as an example it's still Britney it still sounds very similar but it's not the same
1: there's also the problem of people getting into an artist when they're young and watching them and growing up with that artist because they're going to have the nostalgia for the moment that they met them or discovered them that's the moment that's going to be like oh wow i want them to be like this forever and it's like but that's not reality Mm -hmm. you know and that's why people is like oh it's like i like the old stuff better than the new stuff it's because yeah but that's because you've grown up with this person you watched them develop and change some people just are hungry for nostalgia you know everything staying the same the way that they discovered it the thing that excited them about it when they first discovered it was like yes that's what I want. It's like, Britney's not a seventeen-year-old kid anymore. She's not going to write "Baby One More Time." Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not going to happen. Well, considering the other, you know, she had a lot of other writers writing her music for her and sure. stuff. But like, you got to understand, like, she's maturing as a woman. Like, you know, you got to let her do what what feels natural to her as well. Exactly. You know, and and I think that, it you know, it's like, what was it? Who did I speak to? Um, I spoke to someone and I was saying that you know, like, they're in their forties now and they can't sing about what they sing about in their 20s it's just the, their head doesn't relate anymore you know I, even I remember I, I spoke to Devin Townsend about this and he was telling me about how you know he's strapping young lad and his solo stuff and he goes I can't my head is not in the space where strapping young lad was everyone wants me to play strapping Young lad songs all the time and he goes I, I, my head's not there anymore it was that many years ago but it's not there now where, what I'm doing now is where my head's at. I can't force myself to go back there mm-hmm. you know and I think as an artist, you know you, you, I, I felt it I, I know exactly what he means by that because my last band was together for 21 years and by the time we were breaking up it was just like I'm done man I can't sing these old songs anymore because I'm not there I'm not 20 years old anymore. Mm-hmm. you know I'm not a fucking 16 year old kid. you know I'm a fucking adult now and my my thing my whole life has changed right you know does that make you know what I mean like oh, things, that makes perfect as, as you grow up
0: makes perfect sense
1: yeah you have different experiences different things happen to you in life you see different things you travel the world you experience different things and everything changes and so where you were when you were 16 you know if you're still the same person at 36 that you were at 16 something went wrong man oh yeah like,
0: <laughs> you <know? laughs> Well, especially, and that's, I think that goes back to a point I've said a number of times to people fucking in my life, and even on this, like when I'm chatting with other musicians, and because it's interesting you mentioned that from the standpoint of like the the fan or the consumer, right? I think people take for granted who don't play in bands. It's very easy to be in a band, but it's very hard to make a band work. And as far as material is concerned, when it comes to writing, um, if you are never and and, and not to say that like you can't progress forward as a musician and with life experiences and stuff, but there is, there's that natural, I think there's a natural progression within the art that takes place, whether you want it to or not. Um, and you can also Mm -hmm. shape that in a way in which, you know, you want to have there be a specific outcome. But what I'm saying is like when these people specifically, you know, if we're talking about Britney Spears or whomever, if the constant thing is you're hanging on those those first two records or those first three records, it's like there is still a myriad of other things that she's gone through and even though she has as you pointed out, she has other people writing for her, her sound has moved itself along through the, you know, the the winding fucking road that is pop culture and pop music more importantly. To show yeah. that to show that she can do everything. She can do all those elements of what's pop music at that time. So like, you know, in a sense, it's like if if people have that expectation, first and foremost, it shows me that they're they're not an artist or they've never done it or never attempted to. And I don't know, it's. I think there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for like, you know, people just that expect dance monkey, you know, play me a song, that type of shit. Right. Like, yeah, because that's, that's the unfortunate reality in some cases for pop musicians. So if you, (laughs) if you had to choose your favorite Ramones cover song, but here's the caveat, you could only choose from acid eaters. What would your choice be?
1: Uh oh, yeah, I really loved uh there was a few on there that I thought were absolutely amazing. Uh I really loved Journey to the Center of the Mine. Uh the C, you know CJ Sing and the Amboy Jukes have mm-hmm. I really loved that because I love the song originally regardless of Ted Nugent's in it or not but like the song is a great song. You know Journey to the Center of the Mine or whatever it is that's a that's a great tune. It's a really good tune. And people should you know should listen to the Amboy Jukes version of it because it's great. Mm. I really liked uh, have you ever seen the rain i love that oh yeah you know like i I think that that was great but i think yeah that that's have you ever seen the rain or um or journey to the center of mine is is my favorite songs on that record so i'd probably i'd probably go with journey because it's a cj song you know it's a first track on the record it's great i love the bass lines in it i think it's a great cover it's fantastic because i love the song anyway so like I love it a lot because it's, I think it stands out because it's different to what, you know, what you would expect from the Ramones anyway.
0: Have you found that, you know, being kind of locked down and or other musicians in other parts of the world are also kind of experiencing the same thing? Has that helped with some projects like this or helped the mindset of, oh, I can feature X person doing this or invite them? Like, has that helped with that entire process?
1: Well, I guess, I guess it has. I mean, the whole Hayley Crusher thing, it came to be because of that fakes comp that Drunk Dial Records put out. You know, he said that he wanted to put out this idea, and I love the Josie and the Pussycats movie. I think that is one of the greatest movies of pop culture in the way it just makes fun of everything. It makes fun of consumerism. It makes fun of major labels. It makes fun of, like, fashion it's just – it's an amazing re- movie. I love it from start to finish. And I love the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack is seriously bitching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when he said he wanted to do this with fake bands, I immediately jumped up and said, can we do just sing The Pussycats? And he goes, what song? And I said, spin around. And he said, yeah, sure. So then I, after I said it, I thought, fuck, who's going to sing it? I can't sing like that. Right. And then I just thought about it. I said, well, obviously it would have to be – have, I'll have to ask Hayley because – Hayley would be perfect for it because her voice matches, you know, the Kay Hanley's voice from, you know, uh, Letters to Cleo, who actually sang the song, the original version. So I just asked her and said, hey, would you be keen on doing this, you know, for this drunk doll records to come? She jumped up and said, yes. She said straight away, she was like, I loved that movie. And I used to pretend that I was in Jason the Pussycats, and I was like, oh, my fucking God, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. So we recorded all the music, and we sent it to her, and immediately she was just like, oh, my God, this sounds great. So she sent me back a demo. It sounded good, and then she redid the – like everything was tidied up and whatever, and then we had it mixed and mastered. And that's the version you hear today. But, uh, yeah, that I mean, that happened purely – that was not even a thing of of lockdown or COVID or anything like that. It was just the fact that she had the right voice – for her. And I've always, I love Haley and the Crushes. I think the the band rules. I think Haley is an absolute sweetheart and uh, really a ha- probably the hardest working person that I know when it comes to music. Just seeing how hard she works, and, you know, promoting and and we're hitting the ground running with with music stuff. And I I really admire her work ethic. And so I was, you know, I'm glad that she agreed to do it. But yeah, it was just a no brainer to get her because her voice just matches. But it was nothing to do with COVID for that. COVID was not the reason for that at all. It was just pure, you know, she was the right person for the job. Uh, does it help? Does COVID help, Has helped people to get together and do these things? Probably. I'd say so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, a lot of people got a lot of time on their hands. I mean, we've got some songs that got, uh, that got the guitar player from the Bronx playing on them. We haven't released those yet, but we've got two tracks. My guitarist from the Bronx is playing on two songs. That's awesome. So... <laughs> In, in, yeah, I mean, and that was just purely, he's got nothing better to do. So we asked him, and he said yes.